With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, Ben Calder, mate, it is so good to be connecting with you this morning here in Australia. And in uh, it's the nighttime over there in the UK, right? That's right. Yeah, we're 9 p.m. now. It's, uh, it's pretty dark outside. It's winter. It's cold. We've just had storms battering the coast near where I live. So it's, uh, it's pretty wild right now. Yeah, well, we're getting yeah, we're getting hit with storms too. Apparently, it's meant to be a wet summer here in Australia, <laughs> which is not fun considering how hot it gets, and then you factor in the humidity yeah. and everything. Yeah. It's like living inside of a sauna for a few months. <laughs> Although right now, from uh, the UK, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, it's so good to connect with you. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Like I said, pre-podcast, I really love your work and where you come from with an integral perspective. And, you know, I really love to dive right into people's inner world, their individual interior, you know, from an integral lens. So one of the first questions I'd love to ask you is to, is to get a look at your, your own worldview or universal view of reality? Like, how would you describe your, your mental model of reality you're experiencing? I mean, that, that's, you know, jumping in, definitely. That, that's such a broad question. I, I think one of the, the things that I find interesting about my worldview and, and kind of having been exploring the, the integral space now for uh, just over 10 years and having based a lot of the work that I do within, uh, within that model, I don't know that I really have a fixed model anymore. I, I think I've got to a point where, where I, I keep on moving through different spaces and, and from a moment to moment basis, there's adaptation because there are so many possibilities. I mean, you know yourself from reading integral work that it starts to open up a, a view of the world that means there are worlds within worlds within worlds. You know, Ken's beautiful term for it is turtles all the way down, turtles all the way up. Yeah. And, and so there's this, there's this part of me, I, I think that the more I've grown and the more I've developed that just moves around between whatever world space seems appropriate wherever I am. I mean, I live in live in a strange part of uh, of the UK in some ways in that it's a very white dominated culture, but we have uh, a lot of different levels within that. So we have the ultra rich living, you know, kind of 10 miles down the road from me royalty level kind of of people and at the same time a couple of miles down the the road in the other direction we've got some of the poorest people in the UK and and you you although we're all in a, a very kind of similar environment in that sense you know we're still we're surrounded by all this beautiful countryside we're surrounded by the wilds of North Wales and uh, and Cheshire is a, a beautiful county here the mind space that exists, the, the amount of levels that we go through within, within such a small population is just incredible. So I, I find that trying to operate on any one particular level 
means that I sometimes can't interact with the people that I'm engaging with because you have to be able to, to take a, a multifaceted worldview and actually just be able to be with people wherever they are. So, and again, you know, from the, the kind of the spiritual side of the integral world, I've tried not to attach to any one particular thing as much as I can. So it, it's a, for me, it's more about letting go of worldviews rather than holding on to them. Yeah, that's, that's so well said. Yeah, to be able to have this flexible, malleable ability to shift your worldview pretty much any time. And I guess with people you're communicating with to kind of come down to their their level or up to le- their level, whoever you're speaking to, to resonate and be able to see kind of eye to eye. And, you know, you don't have these miscommunications, which we see a lot nowadays. You know, many people are, yeah. are arguing over whose worldview is right or whose religion is right or whose perspective is right. But, you know, it's like relativity. We're all unique. We're all different. We all have a different, unique interpretation and perspective of the world. If only we could acknowledge that and then engage in people with that knowing. Yeah, and I think that's that's really hard at the moment as well. There, there are some really, really strong lines of belief and ideas about how we should be behaving, how we should represent ourselves, you know, again, you know, thinking about how your interest in morals and ethics, it, it's this, this is right, this is wrong, this is how you should be, this is how you shouldn't be. Uh, that's okay, that's not okay. But th- those lines really lose the nuance of, of, of the communication that's taking place between individuals at any one point. And, and I, I don't think it's so much about going up to or, or down to where anybody else is. It's more a case of just looking at the stimulus that any particular situation that brings into you. Again, if we take it from that uh, kind of four quadrant perspective, where's my body in that moment? What's the environment I'm engaged in? What is that cultural worldview and the relationship I'm experiencing with that person at that time? Uh, And then how do I stay in the most balanced, stable, healthy space that I can be while that interaction is taking place? And and, and in a way, if you hold any one particular worldview, you, you kind of lose to a degree an ability to uh, to be that present in that moment. You know, if uh, you know one of the, the teachers that I've, I've worked with in the past, uh, uh, Chinese grandmaster Sam Chin, he, he would always ask the question of where is your referent in the moment? You know, what is the thing that you're drawing your reference from? If it's something from the past, then you're already out of sync with what's taking place in the moment. Mm. So the more that you can stay in the moment with whatever it is that you're engaging with, you and I in this moment, how we are morning there, evening here, you know, all of these factors are at play all at once. Uh, And what brings us the win-win? What brings us the, the best outcome in that situation with all of those aspects in play? Yeah, I like that because it's almost like, if you're really in the moment, do you even have a worldview? Or like, it's almost like it dissolves because there is only the moment and you dissolve into everything in that moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. And that's not to say that that we're not still uh, aligning with particular beliefs, morals, yeah. ethics, you know, behaving out of, out of any particular psychological uh, psychological perspective at that point. But it's about whether or not we use that as a rod for our own backs or whether or not it's something that allows fluidity in a moment. 
Mm, yeah. So I wanna I wanna kind of take a, a step back to you know me asking you about what your your worldview is and you know you saying that it's constantly ever changing. But I would be curious because there are, are obviously some questions to really formulate your own worldview. Um, and I'd like to see the perspective you take in this moment being you know <laughs> with uh with the question in why um why you think we are here and i guess what are we you know these two kind of big fundamental questions <laughs> that i think would would build your own kind of worldview or universal view depending on how far you want to zoom out yeah sure and, and i th i think the the last thing you said there depends on how far you want to zoom out is probably one of the most important uh, parts of that because how far do we want to zoom out? <laughs> yeah. you know, do, do we do we want to look at things from a you know a cellular level, from a, you know a biological level for me as a human organism, for a planetary system, for a solar system, for a galaxy, you know, for something bigger, the time scales, distances, and sizes that are involved depending on where we are, you know, make things completely different. Go the other way down into to an atomic level where. Again, it, we're, we're talking uh, turtles all the way up, turtles all the way down. But from the from that big perspective, and and I, I really value looking at it from a from a really big perspective. It doesn't matter. Nothing is important. It, it's it's irrelevant. We're we're so irrelevant in terms of uh, any anything that is, you know, a few scales up from us. The that makes every contribution you make relevant. Because if none of it matters, then what's the best value that you can get from it for yourself in any one moment? What's the best experience that you can have in any one moment? And, and for me, a value within that is to ensure that whatever I'm engaging with is a win-win. It's the best for me and everyone. You know, if we if we look at it from those kind of basic levels of uh, egocentric, ethnocentric, world-centric, cosmocentric, you know, I want what's best for me on an egocentric level, definitely. I want what's best for me and mine on a, an ethnocentric level, definitely. I want what's best for me and everyone on a world-centric level. And I want what's best for me and everything on a world-centric level. So transcend and include. I'm not going to exclude any aspect of that. I want to understand and, and try and choose what I can to create the best experience for everything that I'm engaging with in, in any moment, whatever that is. Um, you know, so, so I think if you're, you're helping the energy of any situation to raise and lighten and open until it's the moment to help the energy to lower and contract. So, even kind of along the lines of right and wrong, good and bad, you know, depending on where you want to draw your lines, depending on how you want to look at things. It, it's so it's so difficult to be able to draw a line in the sand and say this is where it is, because there are just too many other factors that, that might contribute towards why a thing would be a thing. And, and any time that we're looking at it uh, in retrospect, it's already not the thing it was and we can mm. never see it in the way it is and we can never understand it in the way it is anytime we're projecting an idea into the future it can never be what we think it is it's you know it, it's it, it's a it's a very strange life to be living in so 
you know, as nothing matters and, and, and really what are we worrying about with it all, make everything the best that you can make it and, and bring as much joy and pleasure and constructive creativity into any space as you can. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, that's a really beautiful perspective. Yeah, indeed. So I'd love to get into your own inner journey and I guess awakening. Um, I'd love to just yeah hear about this this journey that you've been on, and maybe throughout that, what did you find were some of the most efficient and effective modalities or practices that worked for your own healing and awakening journey? Yeah, I mean, I, I was. I think in a way that that awakening and and I find that as more time goes on, I, I see and hear of other people having a, a similar kind of situation is that in some way their early life, their childhood had its challenges. And, um, you know, my life was no different in that way. Um, you know, so early separation of my father uh, from my mother, so two years old. lot of moving around when I was a young young person as well Uh, and it was only really uh, when we started uh, uh, senior school here in in the UK at kind of age 11 that um, that for a short period of time things were were kind of settled by that time I was already kind of you know like a cat in a hot tin roof I was already a bit spooked in life so I was already quite sensitive and uh, and, and I didn't feel very grounded, I guess is the way I would describe it now, but I was just a very restless character. And, and by the time I got into my mid-teens, I was, it, it felt like there was just a lot of bullshit on around me. You know, I, I, I found uh, education, formal education, a challenge, you know, again, back, back, in, back in the 80s, when, when this was happening to me, we didn't recognize neurodiversity the way we do now. Uh, and we didn't understand learning styles and learning kind of issues in the way that we do now. So I, I really struggled with uh, formal education, uh, although, I, you know, I kind of managed to make my way through, but only with a certain amount of, of being a clown and finding a way to um, just make it easier to transition through what felt to me like a lot of friction and a lot of tension at the time. And uh, when I was a, a teenager, my mum introduced me to um, some people that lived near us that were into personal development, psychic development, spiritual development. And we used to go for kind of regular evenings with them. And, uh, you know, th- this to me was the kind of uh, late 80s, early 90s kind of new age as it was really kind of opening up in, a, in the UK, which was was really interesting. Um, and And so I got to be around a lot of uh, very, very curious people who are exploring other ways of looking at the world, other perspectives. And, and really, that was for me that introduction into pluralism, if we if we kind of look at it from a, uh, that kind of level. And, uh, and so I was much more interested in that and found that much easier to deal with than kind of mainstream life. And, uh, and so went to university and continued kind of exploring that while training to be a teacher uh, and realizing after four years that kind of like to go into a, a school and, and teach children was was a the worst idea that I probably could have come up with <laughs> myself uh, and b uh, I, the fact that anybody qualified me to do that just shows that they weren't paying attention um, you know so I, I really shouldn't have done that and I didn't but I, I did really want to, I, I really had a strong urge to do developmental work. I wanted to see people progress. Um, 
And, and so, and, and that was really the vision I had. I wanted to see people go from a place where they were struggling or had a tension or a difficulty and that something I could contribute would then make a change for them, take them into a new space. Uh, and, and I ended up after university going and becoming a, an outdoor activity instructor, using high ropes courses, abseiling, climbing, that kind of stuff. And uh, at the time I also was, uh, was I, I did an NLP diploma, did a whole bunch of, you know, this is kind of 20 odd years ago, uh, some really, really great work, really great people, and was using that in, in just helping the, the young people that we were working with, the teenagers we were working with, to just explore different ways of looking at their realities. Uh, and, you know, when, when you've got somebody standing on a, a 40 foot high telegraph pole looking to dive for a, a trapeze and they're telling you that they can't do it. And you ask them the question of what would happen if you did? And, and seeing this moment in their head where the pattern that they'd been following just shifted for a second and it gave them a little space to make a change. And when they made that, they were able to, to do something that they never believed they could. And there was something about seeing that growth and that opening in people that, that then really inspired me. Uh, and that was about the same time I, I then started discovering kinesiology as a, a modality, so manual muscle testing, which uh, I primarily use in, well, in, in lots of different ways, but for physical assessment and biochemical and functional medicine, epigenetic, lo lots of different ways, again, using the integral model to look at, look at health. And so I went on and, and kind of developed that as a practice. And all the time within this, I, I'm using Qigong as a physical practice as well. So I'm looking after myself with, with kind of using energetics through Qigong and, uh, and kind of on we roll for the next kind of 18, 19 years. Uh, and, and, and really that, that's, that's where my development goes through, you know, kind of, as I said, 10 years ago, the integral model got introduced, but already that holistic model was surprisingly holding a lot of the pieces of integral. They just hadn't been connected. Um, and I guess at that time as well, the, the Qigong practice that I, I'd been doing really kind of started to take off and uh, I'm working a lot with my brother who, who teaches a life force Qigong, which is a beautiful system of Qigong practice. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of continued that developmental work together. You know, he's been a really big influence and a, a really big mentor for, for me and my work as well. Um, so, so that's the first part of your question. And the second bit, those things that really helped me, Qigong, hands down, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. good teacher. Uh, and within that good contemplative and meditative practice, um, you know, there's no doubt about it. But, but it's again, it's integral life practice. That, that's really what I'm doing. So body, you know, movement, qigong, climbing, walking, good diet, um, mind, studying, continuing to kind of learn your shit, um, uh, spirit, your meditation, your contemplative practice, and then shadow work. You know, so, so those elements shadow. were... <laughs> love a good shadow shadow beautiful so so kind of doing doing that integral life practice but then within that 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 real dedication in work work into relationships you know the the things that then really feed you and make you feel alive and make you feel well um and 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 that's different for all of us so so whatever you do don't try and copy me just you know understand the idea uh, and once you understand the tool you throw the tool away and you find your own way through it yeah, exactly. That's why I wanted to ask you, what were what were the most efficient and effective modalities or practices for you that worked yeah. for your unique self? 
Um, yeah. I, d- I do want to ask a question within this because it always yeah. seems to be an X factor, you know, in people's lives. And you may have already touched on this, but it's either like a significant moment that switches something over, but there, there always seems to be some sort of X factor in people's lives. You know, I know for me, that would have been a psychedelic journey. That was a big X factor. Mm. And then mixed martial arts, you know, that completely shifted my life. It was like a, a big catapult. Was there anything like that? These X factors or these catapults that really like shifted you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I tend to kind of broadly follow uh, a Zen perspective within my spiritual practice. So uh, and, and again, that's been influenced through uh, through Ken's work uh, and also through Genpo Roshi. So I followed his work quite closely for the last uh, kind of 11, 12 years uh, and, and kind of do practice in the style of Big Mind and so on. So Big Mind was really a key practice for me. It was one of the things that just made made my head go and, and d- dissolved. You know, where, where I thought I understood the vastness of the universe before that. And again, you know, uh, psychedelic experiences at various points, meditation experiences at points. But there was something about Big Mind that just made my head go, oh, yeah, that like that. That's different. Um, so that was always a big thing. Um, and, and then my Qigong, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that practicing Qigong helps to work in a true three body way, you know, gross, subtle, causal, and to really combine that, uh, that subtle energy work, the emptiness of mind, the non-dual, while still being in a physical presence, it, it's, you know, it was really deep stuff. Um, so that, you know, big mind and, and Qigong really, those are, those are the tools that I think the the real accelerators, um, you know, I mean, I, my experiences with psychedelics have been quite varied uh, and and always very constructive, very positive, uh, and they're great. But I, I think, um, you know, Genpo Roshi put it beautifully when he was introducing Big Mind years ago. And he said that, you know, we can go through this process and at the end of it, you will have an awakened experience. But if you don't continue to practice it, then it will just become a nice memory of something you did. And in a way, I think that a lot of psychedelics can be that. They, they have great catalytic abilities. And depending on how they're used, depending on how they're fielded, we, we can go through that. And I've certainly had my share of those. But I think really the, the idea of looking for something to accelerate, it, it all accelerates, it, it all transforms so, so from a Zen point of view as well, having Kensho experiences where, you know, you kind of hit a low point, hit a dark night of the soul, something, something breaks, something, something goes wrong. I, you know, I've had a number of those moments in my life and those have been as powerfully transformative as, as any of the others. Um, you know, and, and this is why, you know, going back to stuff I said earlier, it kind of doesn't matter, you know, don't, don't get too attached to how it should look, what it should be, what it should feel like. You know, just direct it towards something that feels like it'll be a good thing. Look for the, the green light on your path. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the movie, you know, just enjoy the movie. Some people take movies too seriously, you know, where they leave the cinema and they, <laughs> really? think, they think that the, 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 you know, the evil thing in the movie is like in their house. And it's like, you, know, you took it too literally, like just enjoy yeah. the movie, leave the cinema and let it go. And then we'll enjoy the next movie that comes up if we're, if we decide to come back again and experience a different kind of movie, but 
you did um you kind of did answer my second question which was you kind of spoke about the more light side of the x factor things you know but there's also like you said the dark night of the soul these things that are that are also what we would label as negative but are equal in their uh, power to shift us internally and, and be catalytic in our life yeah, they're just not pleasurable at times, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, and, and that, that's okay. Uh, I, I, I don't think that for the majority of us, certainly not the, the lives that most of us are leading, we, we really understand how even a couple of thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago, just how difficult it was to survive, just the, the, the real extremeness of life. I mean, again, I'm really lucky where I live. We've got a, a lot of megalithic sites, very famous old sites that are kind of 5,000 years old uh, from how life was back then. And, to, you know, up on some beautiful hills and mountains around here, overlooking the oceans out to Ireland, where you've got other structures that are all lined up together. And you go and sit in these places and you think, wow, man, 5,000 years ago, dudes sat up here looking out of this stuff, thinking about stuff. And they had none of the comforts and luxuries that <laughs> yeah. I do. And that, you know, life was tough then. So, you know, in, in some cases, uh, I, I kind of use it as a bit of a thing to just, you know, stop whining and appreciate yeah. you know, how, how beautiful we've got things and, and how much we've got access to and availability of uh, and okay, at the moment, you know, there's a part of the world that's kind of going to shit in a handbag, but it's 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 kind of it's all okay because at the bottom line, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, let's up. Yeah, I mean, it humbles you when you look at what our ancestors went through and the fact that you know most of them didn't even wear clothes, and here we are, like it's cold. I'm gonna put my clothes on <laughs> yeah, and sure. shit. You know, totally they're like <laughs> they were like running around naked. I mean, you look at the Aboriginals; they they wore no clothes all year round in the coldest cold parts of of the world and uh, of the season and in the hottest times. We good. Sure. We good. Uh, and, we're, and we can't, uh, you know, and here we are at times bitching that, uh, you know, that super warm new brand new deluxe jacket that yeah. I want to get for two days. You know, <laughs> I haven't got it in the color I want. Yeah. It's, uh, it's you know, and, and this is it. There's an aspect of, I mean, it's interesting for me. I, I really enjoy watching, watching my culture because weirdly it's kind of quite difficult to watch other parts of the world as much as we can watch other parts of the world but we're not immersed in it in the same way that we are our own cultures and so I find it really interesting just to watch my culture and see what challenges are going on and see even you know the types of music the types of art the types of of media that are being produced uh, and what that's communicating about what's going on inside of people at any one time. I, I just find it fascinating uh, to, to observe while at the same time feeling like this, this really lucky voyeur to it all that, uh, again, I, f- I feel comfortable that it kind of doesn't matter in a lot of ways. And, and if I get too entangled into it, we get back to Buddhism 101, you know, attachment is the cause of all suffering. So let's, mm. let's just relax a bit. Yeah. I just want to make one, uh, a question or a comment with um you know this kind of statement that you've said in it like it it doesn't matter is that is that similar to seeing life as like it's just neutral like it's just balanced and we we then with our constructs can say that's terrible or terrific but in essence it's just neutral sure yeah yeah and and i think in a lot of ways it's a healthier perspective to take mm. uh, you know it is to 
to be in allowance of what is going on. Uh, and again, Ken has, has got a beautiful quote that says, you notice it more, but it bothers you less. You know, mm. and I think that that's, that's, you know, possibly one of the, the most useful things that, that I've continued to kind of go back to and integral and, and as a goal within my kind of my, my spiritual practice, my self-development, you know, I, I want to get to a point where I'm aware, but I'm not as deeply impacted and as deeply affected by, by what's going on so that I can continue to hold my own center, cultivate my energy and add into the world in the way that I, you know, believe I, I choose is the most valuable in that moment. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. It, it's, it may be similar to what I'm going to say, but I might be off, but you know what a Rosage test is that ink blood imagery test. Yeah. How you pronounce it? Rosage. So it's almost like, like that, right? Like the universe is a giant Rosage test This ink blood imagery that really says more about our souls and what we believe than anything else. So I think that comes yeah. to like, you know, would you take the perspective the world is a mirror of your soul and it's just reflecting back your internal state of mind to some, some extent? Do you know, I, I, I find that a really difficult statement for myself because I'm just not sure. Yeah. I, I, I think it, you know, we come back to the Zen question, don't we? You know, if the tree falls in the wood, of course it makes noise. You know, I'm not the center of the universe just because I'm not there. doesn't mean it doesn't make noise. Yeah. You know, vibration yeah. is taking place regardless of me. So is it a mirror of me? Yes and no. Am I just another aspect of uh, the the universe, the cosmos of spirit in action? Probably, you know, and does that really mean anything that I need to get worried about? No, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, you know I, I am, I'm spirit in action. But if I accept that, if I accept that I, I both create the world and I'm just a part of the world, I have to accept that about everything everything within the world without exception so the dog turd on the street uh the dog turd that's running our country you know any of those things i have to accept that they are all spirit in action as well and they are no greater no less and no different than i am they're just different manifestations and and again it, it's easy for the small me to get tied into yeah <laughs> feel those things and, and sometimes that's a choice and I like that and because there's a sense of feeling in this body that you just kind of don't get in spiritual neutrality uh, and, and so there's something about that that I think has, has value as long as I can remember to balance it and stay centered and step back into to a, a different space when when it's appropriate which I think is one of the, the best gifts of big mind is is just that you don't hold on to any one perspective because you realize they're just ways that you're representing the world. So mm. what if we represented it in the opposite way or a different way? You know, still doesn't make much difference. Yeah. It, you know, it just gives you a different insight. Yeah. And that's so, you know, I find, and I really learned this through Ken in the, in the Integral Life Practice book and, you know, his book, No Boundary and his psychology book and some of the other ones I've, I've dipped into. I'm still trying to wrap my head around his psychology, but, but I'm getting yeah. there. But just the value in being able to take multiple different perspectives, wide and like deep, you know, people are so stuck in just one perspective. And it's like, it's a concrete, hard perspective that they they don't even know like you can look at this experience from like 10 and infinitude of different ways it's like it's up to you how you choose to like interpret everything really that's going on 
Yeah. And if you come back to it uh, in another moment, not even another day or another yeah. time, but just in another moment, there might be something that is there now that wasn't there. There might be something that was there that isn't. You know, it, it can just continue to evolve. You know, that's, you know, one of my one of my favorite questions uh, uh, to, to some of my clients is that without using words and language, show me where the past and the future are. And it's an impossible question. Yeah, that shuts me right up. <laughs> you, you, and and you know, I always get versions of people pointing forward, pointing backwards, pointing to one side, pointing to the other. Uh, and when I say to them, what do your fingers mean? And they have to use words and language to describe, well, that's the past, that's the future. So I said, right, so you have to use words and language because the only place that they really exist is, is a construct inside your head. Mm. Even if you take a, an ancient monument or something like that, uh, and you say, well, that's the past. And it's like, well, no, that's the present because that's where it is right now. Whatever it was in the past, it isn't that now. So everything's in this constant flux, this constant change. So learning to, to remember that that flow is going to go on, whether you like it or not, whether you attach to it or not, whether you join in with it or not, it's just going to keep on happening. You know, you, you can't prevent those changes. So learning to just adapt and flow and, and be with them is 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 the best chance you've got, I feel, of just uh, continuing to get the best out of the moment you've got while your spirit in action. Absolutely. Absolutely. I um, There's a part of me that wants to dive down this language rabbit hole, but I want to hold myself back because like language just itself is so fascinating and I was just recently watching Greg Braden talk about his new book um, uh, the something codes anyways it's just about the power of language and how you know we can literally talk to our genes and tell them to express and not express and you know our vocabulary it kind of creates our capacity to see reality you know when you're missing a word it's like you're missing a piece of the puzzle you just can't quite tap into or unlock that part of reality but i'm gonna reel myself back in so we can <laughs> continue along the the structure that i, I Big and powerful topic that's for sure but but you're absolutely right the, the construction of our world through the language that we use is probably one of the most important things that we can learn to be aware of Absolutely. Well, maybe we will have to set up a part two to dive into language. <laughs> yeah. um, so what I, what I wanted to move into next was to just talk a little bit about um, spiritual development and what that may mean and look like from a integral lens. Um, so maybe first give the people just an overview of, I guess, what the integral model is from, from your perspective and then what that may look like uh, from a spiritual perspective within that lens. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the first, uh, the first thing I want to say is that there are so many different versions of this, even just within Integral. Yes. That all I am sharing is the part of it that I work with and, and fully acknowledge that there are so many other yeah. perspectives and depths and values on this. And I think one of the, the most important things that, that comes out of integral, though, in terms of uh, spirituality and spirit development is, uh, is found in, in the question that Ken posed about how do you define what spiritual is? And, of course, you can see spiritual as a line of development. You can see it as a level of development. You can see it as a type. 
you can see it as an overall this is how somebody is you know so you can see it from all, almost all of the or pretty much all of the uh the the all quadrant all level all line all type uh, state or type uh you know what state of consciousness we're talking about so because are we talking about somebody can reach a you know like a non-dual state of awareness is that something that's spiritual you know where we know from the kind of the, the Wilbur Combs lattice uh that that experience is only inter interpreted from the level of development that we're, we're at in the first place mm. you know are we talking about somebody that's dedicated themselves I mean um uh you know as, as a hobby and a, another part to myself i love guitars and i love uh you know kind of listening to live music and there are there are a couple of artists who who i think have achieved a spiritual level of playing you know what they're doing is just absolutely insane and you can see that within sports people you can see that with anybody that's dedicated to a practice they reach a transcendent level to it you know they're they're beyond that um you know uh, conventional level they, they've reached something special in there but you can also see it as a discipline in itself you know people that are just studying spirituality uh, and just looking at uh, spirituality from different levels which might start as something like a religious side a mystical side you can look at it from from different perspectives in that ways and you might also get people that just have this, this vibe of spiritual and, uh, you know, I see a lot of spiritual tourism taking place as well, where, you know, people are very good at, uh, at getting the trappings of spirituality uh, as a way of, of trying the modality on uh, and acting in ways and using language that for them feels spiritual, but then often uh, leads into a, a great deal of spiritual bypassing and uh, and just ideas of, of transcendence uh, and real development rather than actually having experienced it or, or even having put the work in um, you know the amount of techniques and apps and systems that can get you meditating like a monk in five minutes you know 10 years worth of practice in an hour download uh, and and not really, you know, and, and, and I, I, you know, hold my hands up, guilty of all that myself, experienced all of that through, through phases in my life as well. But I think one of the things that, that is most important as I go on is I recognize that it's not a done deal. You know, I, I, you know, I, I was doing shadow stuff and, and connecting to spiritual energies 20, 30 years ago, but that was then you know and, and, and it's about where we are now and, and again looking at things differently I, I think I know less and I, I believe less and I hold on to less than I ever did before uh, and I'm less certain about what everything is than I ever was before <laughs> but I'm more comfortable with that than I ever was before. Well, that's a good spot to be in right it's I mean, yeah, that's, that's really interesting to, to be less certain, but more comfortable to let go. I mean, it sounds so paradoxical, but it also makes so much sense at the same time. Um, so within this, I guess, what would be, and I know, again, we could do this from levels and, and lines and states and, and types, but for the person listening, is there a foundation? Is there just a, a foundational starting point? And again, that might be within the equal model but sure. just if you had to maybe synthesize them or, or whatever what would be the base foundational layer to maybe you know a, a spiritual development practice philosophy or just within spiritual development yeah i mean again coming from my own experience and my own journey 
if I think about how I was before, restlessness would be a, a, a good word to describe that. Restless of mind, restless of body, restless of heart, you know, never feeling settled, never able to feel centered, never able to find stillness. And in comparison to then, I have a lot more centering and stillness and feeling of settled within me. And the hardest part of that was actually just learning to surrender to it. Mm-hmm. Because the restlessness is an anticipation. It's a looking for something else, thinking that the thing is going to be somewhere other than where I am at. So, you know, it's the next experience or the next day or, you know, the next whatever. Uh, And from, from the point of view of society currently, we can see there's this constant, pretty much narcissistic, you've got to have something else, something else, something else. And, and Genpo Roshi talks uh, about the seeker of the way in, in Big Mind and that the seeker of the way, the job of the seeker of the way is to seek. So what are you going to do when you find the way? You're going to seek. You're yeah. going to keep looking. You keep on moving on. Follower of the way gets to just follow. It's less stressful. But when we, when we become the Tao, when we become the way, we just are. And... and to do that, we have to surrender. We, we have to, and I don't mean surrender as in have no boundaries, you know, not being, not being healthy in our behavior, but just within ourselves, you know, just to surrender. And, and, and that was, I think, the, the hardest moment to, for me was to just learn to surrender to being where I was in that moment and allowing myself to just go okay I'm going to surrender and I I started out I I kind of set myself a challenge I said okay I'm going to surrender for a minute that's all I'm going to commit to and so I would I would sit down twice a day and say right I commit to surrendering for a minute and I wasn't even trying to do anything else with my mind I was just trying to stay where I was and a minute's easy to do so you know a minute almost always became two to five to 10 to 15 minutes because all I'd agreed to do was a minute. And so, you know, I did my minute, great. So are you happy here? Yeah, sure, great, stay here. Uh, and so just surrendering to being and not constantly having to, to go into doing. And, and it's, I think, one of the simplest things to do and one of the most challenging things to do. Because, you know, years down the line, I, I'm still reminding myself, just keep surrendering, just keep surrendering. And watching what I'm doing with my energy. Because yeah, if you take on board something like Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication, and he makes a clear distinction that the stimulus is separate from my response. So... So this is why he sees language or describes language in parts as violent, because we might describe something as you made me. When you did this, it made me. And that's inaccurate language. You know, the stimulus might have been there, like that beautiful painting you've got behind your head. Beautiful stimulus for me as we're, we're having this conversation. So my response is still my choice. And I can respond in any way that I choose. So learning to have that pause, mm. learning to 
strike when the iron is cold at times and just breathe and just soften and just become aware of how you've been activated by a thing before you create action and you know I think those are some of the most useful and important things to learn to do and they're also a lifetime's work yeah yeah I love that that surrendering I want to ask you kind of an obvious obvious question but it might help with maybe some context but who's who is surrendering you know when you're talking about surrender who who is surrendering (laughs) <laughs> always the voice of resistance <laughs> yeah. sure because that's the only one that needs to surrender but you know also the voice of surrender you know because its only job is to surrender so we've got to allow it to speak uh, and that that's the challenge uh, and what's it like to be surrendered it's surrendered yeah, yeah it's- <laughs> it's that simple we don't need to complicate it but uh you know the voice of resistance the and and you you know again you can describe any pattern there it could be the voice of frustration the voice of agitation the voice of restlessness voice of desire i want i need more you know again the seeker not going to stop seeking um you know not going to stop looking but it's about the choice of of that that point of view in that moment so, you know, and again, with, with, the, with the sitting that I do, one of my favorite practices is shikantaza, is, is Zen just sitting, because then I don't put any expectations on myself other than to sit. And so there isn't necessarily a voice coming forward because I'm not asking for anything. Mm. Uh, and so we can, you know, and especially if I can sit, uh, you know, with, with a, uh, a nice view, looking at nature and just sit. You know, don't don't think anything of it. Don't make anything of it. Just take yeah. it easy. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So something I love within like the integral model is the the integral communion, like communing with the power that drives the universe. But in this case, I guess communing with surrendering. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you're trying? Like you're maintaining. You're com- you're almost communing with this surrendering. It's like a, a constant kind of process not even a constant process but it's something that like you've already laid down but it's i guess it's something that you commune with you know you can always just come back to to this i I think that this though is is one of for me is one of the places where we get a little bit of confusion about where some of this space is so if i take this pen that's on my desk here i'm as much communing with spirit when i hold this as I am when I sit mm. to commune with spirit. Mm. Yes. And, and until we understand that there, there is no real separation on those, and until we experience it that way, I, I want my life to be that. So every action, every movement, every breath is all part of this constant interaction with the universe in objective and subjective spaces. All of it is. Every piece of food I put in my mouth every piece of clothing on my body, you know, every step I take through the world, they're all parts of communing with spirit. And they're all working at different levels, you know, uh, in different ways. And, and that, that's beautiful. And I think that's, in a sense, that's part of what the essence of integral is, is, is stop thinking about spirit as only being one thing. It, it, it's in all of these things, all of the time, without limitation, without hesitation, without pause or separation. It's always happening all of the time in everything we do. And, 
we, we can take those, those beautiful moments where we choose to sit in stillness and, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to focus on something, for example, we're moving into a subtle practice because we're creating visualization where we're going beyond the boundaries of necessarily the physical body, perhaps grace physical, but we're not in that emptiness of causal, you know, and an emptiness of causal, you know, even if I'm witnessing, I'm still doing something. There's still a me and another, but in true causal or going into non-dual where everything is dissolved anyway, you know, if I can achieve that or try and achieve that with everything I do, you know, that that's, to a degree the practice or realize that I am doing that anyway in everything I do regardless of whether or not I believe I am and it's just a case of where we focus in any one time so so do the things that bring you magic do the things that feel good you know play your instrument do your art write uh, dance play um, you know explore nature there <clears throat> there doesn't have to be a, a a one route to get to these places you can do it through all of them you know if, if you love horses you know and you ride or you or you do whatever you know you rock climb anything that feels like it it has heart and and that reminds me of a, a quote by uh, don juan in in some of carlos castaneda's work on the the yaki shaman of uh, uh of mexico he he says that uh, all roads lead to the same place but only the roads that have heart are the ones that are worth traveling. Mm. And there you will find me waiting, waiting breathlessly. Oh, that is, I love that. That is so, yeah, that's so good. You know, one of the other things I love from the IOP when it kind of, when we're speaking about this communion is how they describe, yeah, I think it's a cosmocentric turquoise or teal, uh, level where it's like I commune with source as source able to see source alone in myself or with others and that that has really become like my you know kind of baseline like life philosophy and if I can recognize that to remember that I am source communing with source everything I'm wearing source I'm talking to source you know, it allows me to approach the world completely different. It's like being in big mind kind of all day to some, to some extent, except, you know, you're not completely dissolved into everything. Sure. And, and, you know, that's true. Even when you're talking to the waiter in the restaurant about having mucked up your order, yes. you know, it's no different. It's still every that. second and, of and every that. moment of every day yeah. for eternal. Yeah. And that's what I find beautiful, you know, is the, that, and that's what I mean when I say it doesn't matter. You know, we're, I don't, I don't really subscribe to the idea of vengeful gods, uh, of aspects of spirit that are going to get back at you for being a bad person. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's enough good evidence. It for sounds that. more human than anything. For a start off absolutely yeah sure and you know I, I think that the world the universe the cosmos is just exploring itself you know in in all ways and there are no limitations to that and I expect in far-flung parts of the the universe there's stuff that would blow our minds in an instant uh, yeah. but for the universe there it is it's just expanding out in beautiful fractals 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, just one more thing, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up because I want to be conscious of your time. I know we started a little later, and the other questions I have are only going to open up a whole another hour conversation. So um, I will I will save them for for another time. But I just wanted to ask you, coming back around to this, it it doesn't matter because I find this so interesting. Also within that, it doesn't matter. Is there also the fact that there's nothing right or wrong and there's nothing broken? It just is what it is. Because I, I feel like we humans assume that things are right or they're wrong or they're broken or that things need fixing in this world. We need to fix that because there's something wrong with it. But from the point of view that I'm taking with it doesn't matter. I'm like, it's all good. There's nothing to fix. There's, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing broken. There's just a whole lot to love and appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everything is always in a state of flux, you know, and, and I know that, that for some people, when they, when they hear statements like that, they're, they're along the lines of, well, like murder's bad and, you know, arson's bad or whatever else, you know, and, and yeah, there are some things that the effects of them don't contribute in a great way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there are some things that, contribute so little that they actively retard the growth and development and expansion and opening of parts of us and everything you know for long periods of time um but there's not a lot you know that that's then not my choice uh, the the choice that i make is the only one that matters you know and and so it's up to me to choose to develop the morals and ethics that i feel are healthy and and I know that because I am healthy in them. And, you know, our, our body wears the shape that our mind creates. So if you want to look at whether or not your choices are really serving you, then look at the way your vehicle is, is performing. Look at the experience you have. And, you know, I, I totally recognize that there are people living under oppressive regimes. So their ability to do some of these things, their culture to be able to think in these ways is very different. And there are people that have experienced horrendous traumas throughout their lives. And, and, and that, you know, that, that's, that's heartbreaking on, on certain levels. But we also, you know, the road leads on, the flow leads on. And all we can do is look at the next choice that we're going to make. You know, how can we make what I'm doing better? How does it get better than this? What else is possible? How can I move into another space given what I know today? Because I know what I know and I know the stuff I don't know, but I've got no idea what I don't know. Mm. You know, really the, the depth of all of that is, is so extensive. And if the universe does have a master plan, if the universe is trying to move into a particular direction, then I've got to remember that the powers that be on this planet and the way that this planet is moving are all part of that too. And, uh, you know, I, I can, I've often wondered whether or not morally we end up drawing ourselves onto the wrong sides just because of poor ideas that were given to us when we were younger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just evolving through that and trying to find a way to, to grow and be healthy so that you can see that when you have an interaction with somebody or something, the that's added value you know and 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 really that that's that's where i would go you know for me that that's where things do matter can i add value into it and if i get it wrong or it doesn't come out how i want it to be in a sense that doesn't matter 
because mm. the moment is past. How can the next moment add value? What can I do instead of rather than just hanging on to all the old stuff and thinking, I'm so terrible. I did that so badly. Bleh, you know, let it go and move forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. And I, I guess just quickly for me, when I when I think of it, it doesn't matter in like that terms of right and wrongs. I understand that the the universe is constantly balancing itself out. So anytime I make a wrong, I'm going to make a right. And anytime an, a, an event happens in the world, an anti-event happens in the equal capacity or the equal power. So for me, when you stay in the balance, that's where it's in that center point, that middle between the polarities where things, at least they don't really matter because it's just balanced. And then from that point of view, I think it's just love because everything else is just arising out of love. So if I can acknowledge the love in the experience, then, I mean, that's kind of the the whole goal for me because it's like, it's like picking up... Um, like super coins or something from a game perspective every time you like recognize yeah. love and god in the experience it's like you get a boost yeah you know you get yeah. this surge of energy spiritually um yeah. so yeah ben i could i could talk to you for hours and hours mate this stuff is the yeah the kind of topics i love talking about so i'd yeah, love to let's do it again <laughs> yeah i'd love to invite you on again in the in the future and we'll set another one up where can um where can people find you get in contact with you and and see you know your work that you're putting out there in the world yeah sure so easiest places on my website which is just bencolder.co.uk and uh so that that's my kind of work in the uk in a lot of ways and then you can find me on uh, facebook ben colder integral health and you can also find me on instagram uh, benji colder uh so just stick my name in somewhere i'll show up no doubt and uh, and connect come and chat come and hang out uh you know come and practice some qigong come and do some meditation there's lots of fun stuff we can do absolutely yeah i recommend people check out your work for a truly integral approach which is just that stuff just oh it's so fulfilling you know the integral approach really had a profound impact on my life so just grateful to have this conversation with you and yeah just want to thank you for all the work you've done on yourself the work you do out in the world for joining the show so just a whole lot of love and reverence for you ben beautiful thank you so much you keep doing your work too man it's beautiful absolutely judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details